Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 257 of the Ask the Coach show, where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. For Technique Tuesday, we'll be discussing chopping. In the questions, we'll talk about what you should be thinking about as you near victory, whether you can block a shot that is going around the net, and how to get more consistency if you're often missing the ball. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Super Coach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Hi, thank you, Jeffrey, and welcome to you too. Hope all is well. Indeed, certainly is. Um, I'm excited. We had a long weekend here in Australia. It's good to have you know an extra day off, but I'm excited for this show, Alois. It's going to be a good one. It's always good to have a day off, isn't it? But yes. This this is this is the pinnacle of life. The Ask the Coach show. <laughs> Absolutely. And we posed an interesting Ping Silas question of the day on our last show, Alice. We said, Is Ma Long the overwhelming favourite for the Olympics or will a dark horse get up? What did people tell us? Jeff, they're all interesting. This is just a bit more interesting. Of um, course. <laughs> um well, Eugene had a few things to say, but he said, yes, definitely. Although it's tough with his teammates around, I know Marlon can handle the pressure and win. But Matt Hetherington has, has pointed out to him that it's Olympics, only one other teammate will compete anyway. And that is very true. So it's going to be Marlon, one other Chinese player. And, you know, history shows that one of those two guys is going to win it. So we'll see. Um, as far as... Um, Dark horses. Um, someone did make a comment about dark horses, um, saying that well, you know, Zhang Ziker and uh, you know Fan Zendong aren't really that dark horses, are they? I mean, they're pretty good anyway, um, and that is that is true. Um, Hassan said um, it's going to be tough for anyone to beat him, and I agree, um, and. Mahar, Maharjan said, definitely Marlong or Fan Zendong. You're sitting on the fence there, Maharjan. Yeah, definitely one or the other. Yeah, come on. <laughs> um, um, and you, but Eugene did say, don't forget Zhang Zikur. If he plays in full focus, he is like a god. Oh, yeah, pretty pretty true. But, you know, is he past his prime? We keep trying to write him off, but, you know, he comes through in bursts. But, it, but he's still got to qualify, right? He's still got to. Still got to make it, and and he's currently ranked the fourth best Chinese player in the world. So I don't like his chances. No, no, exactly. For me, Ma Long, all the way. Yeah, I mean, the only thing, and a couple of people did say, you know, the only thing that's going to get him is nerves, really. Mm, yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, like I said, he's he's won a lot of big tournaments now, so I, I'm not sure that's going to be a problem. But you know, it is the Olympics. So let's see what happens. All right, let's get on to today's Ping Skills question of the day, which, as Alice points out, is always interesting. It is <laughs> exactly what is better, playing as a defender or an attacker? So jump onto our Facebook page or onto the Ping Skills blog and let us know whether playing as a defender or an attacker is better. Love to hear your thoughts. Now, Alois time for the most popular segment this day in history, what happened on the 26th of April. 
Ah, yes, of course. The most popular segment brings up that it is the birthday of Jet Lee. Jeff, Jet Lee. Movie star. Absolutely. He starred in um, Lethal Weapon 4 in 1998, I believe, um, and uh, Romeo Must Die in 2000. So This is pretty funny because Alois never watches a movie and never knows anybody. Um, that's why he's looking so confused about Jet Li. Yeah, that's right, Jet, Jet Li. Apparently, yeah, it's Jet Li's birthday, but it's also William Shakespeare's birthday. He was born a little earlier than Jet Li. He was born in... 1564, just 400 years before me. There you go, 400 years before you. Yeah, so I was born sort of pretty close to his 400th birthday, really. Yeah, and look how our literary skills have progressed since then. (laughs) Yeah, mate. (laughs) Yeah, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Now, it is also Tuesday, Alloys, which means it's Technique Tuesday. What great topic do you have for us regarding our technique for today? Yeah, it sort of ties in with our uh, Pinskillers question of the day. Today's technique, we're going to talk about chopping. So um, it's something that, well, you can do it as as your style and the way that you play. Um, And a, a little bit about the technique for chopping is that one of the things that I see often with choppers or people when they're trying to chop, they try to do too much and, you know, the bat's going everywhere. Similar to all of our other strokes that we focus on, focus on a straight line. Focus on that line from, um, and a good guide is your ear to your knee. So if you're, let's do this right-handed for the few right-handers out there in the world. Um, so for the for the right-hander in the forehand chop, you would start at your right ear and finish at your left knee which is down here down here um and for the backhand chop start at your left ear and finish down at your right knee so again focusing on those start and finish positions of your strokes gives you a a a really good base for the stroke and um and gives you some definite points to focus on. So those two things for the both the forehand and backhand chop, focus on those two points, the start position at the ear, the finish position at the knee. And, and just, I mean, just a little bit about chopping. So even if you're an attacking player, it's good to just practice your chopping every now and then. So what we, what we say is that, you know, if you can win one point while you're chopping, it can often turn the game around, you know, like the other player feels like they've won the point already. You're back there, you make a chop, you put it on the table, you get up and you win the point. And it's almost like you're winning two points because it's, you know, you were going to lose it and now you've won it and you, you almost um, demoralize the other person. So it, it can be a good skill to practice. Yeah, certainly. And I guess you, you should probably, if you're an attacker, just use it when you're really on the defensive struggling, you're out of position, maybe then throw in a chop, try and put your opponent off? Yeah, you don't, you don't want to just go out there deliberately chopping, you know, most of the time if you're an attacking player. Um, you know, you want to stay up, you want to play attacking when you can. But as Jeff said, if you do get stuck sometimes and you're, and you're back away from the table, one chop can be really effective. Okay, all right. So for all you attackers out there this week, just get out and just do a little bit of chopping practice. Not too much, but just... Just have a go 
And, um, yeah, then hopefully one day in a match you'll, you know, pull off an amazing chop and win that point and turn the match around. Excellent. Sounds exciting, doesn't it, Alois? Uh, yeah. Chopping is exciting. It's fun too. It's nice Absolutely. to do every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, it is time for the questions. And first up, we've got one from Grenville who says, in a particular match, when I was up 2-0 and then on match point, it was up 10-7, I ended up losing and I lost that set and then I lost the match two sets to three and I want to know what should a player be thinking when they are approaching the win? Yeah, so this comes up a lot in our questions. What do you think about in that you know match point situation? Well, I suppose it goes back a little bit to, to just having a process that you're going through for every single point that you play. So if you're going through your process at two all, three all, five all, nine all, ten nine, whatever it is, then each point starts to feel similar. If you if you don't have a process that you're going through, then suddenly you're at ten seven and your thoughts start to race ahead to winning the match. Or even at you know nine six, you know, you start to think, oh I'm close to winning the match. And then instead of going through your process, your thoughts start to go into the future. As soon as they go into the future, you're in trouble. If they go into the past, you're in trouble. If you start to think about, oh, gee, I wish I'd won that last point or remember that smash I missed at 3-5, you know. Um, if, you, if you're doing that, then your, your focus isn't on the most important thing, which is the ball and this current point that you're, that you're playing or you're about to play. So try to set yourself a little bit of a routine that you can go through. Um, a pre-point routine, and we've got some information on that on the site. Go through and and try to work out your pre-point routine. Set yourself that pre-point routine to do each single point of the match. So at 10-7, what do you do? You do exactly the same thing you did at 9-7, the same thing you did at 3-5. So if if you're going through that process every single time, then um, it becomes really familiar and you haven't got time to be starting to think about, oh, no, I'm 10-7 up got a chance of winning, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I guess that pre-point routine has got to be pretty short because you don't have a lot of time in between points, but it's still enough time to, you know, just have a, a little routine which, you know, makes each point seem the same so you can really just focus on on the ball. Yeah, so so a, a simple pre-point routine, and if you watch the best players, they will have some sort of little routine that they go through um, every point. You know, it might be bouncing the ball on the table three or four times or bouncing the ball on the floor three times um, or four times or whatever it is. Um, it might be just uh, walking to the table in a particular way. I remember um, uh, seeing Alan Cook at uh, it was Commonwealth Championships in India a long, long time ago, and every single point he'd walk around walk off to the side and then walk to the table from the side each time. Um, and it was something that really stuck out in my mind. Um, he had a good championships as well. I think he might have won that one. But, um, yeah, it's something that really stuck in my mind. Um, I, I suppose tennis players you see it a lot, you know, because their pre-point routine is is really set and they've got a bit more time. You know, the number of times they bounce the ball, um, 
some some of the tennis players will reject um, a, a a ball, or they'll get all the four balls that they have to um, have to play with. Um, look at two, uh, look at all of them, choose two, and throw two back. You know, just those sort of little things they do every single time. So um, try to work out what feels comfortable for you, and then just try to uh, replicate that as much as you can. Yeah, and I guess this is um, a skill, much like learning a forehand. And in that manner, it means it's not something you're just going to get straight away. You're going to have to work on it and practice it and develop it. Yeah, definitely. You need to you need to practice it during your training time as well. Don't just uh, go out and in a match start to try to use this pre-point routine because, um, again, it won't be familiar enough um, to you. So um, during your practice games or even just during your practice sessions, you know, if you're doing a if you're doing a match drill. Um, try to set up your pre-point routine. Bounce the ball the same number of times each time. Um, approach the table the same way. Start the ball in the same position each time. So that way you'll get used to it um, even quicker. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for the question, Grenville. Um, yeah, hopefully these tips help you out. Um, it's not going to work immediately, but just keep working on it bit by bit. Develop that pre-point routine. And then hopefully next time when you're up match point, you can just Play it as if it's any other point. Good luck with that. All right. Next question is from Carl. And Carl says, if someone is hitting an around-the-net shot and once it crosses the net but still isn't over the table, you put your bat outside the table, preventing the ball from bouncing back on your side of the table, who wins the point? This is a bit complicated, Alloy, so you might have to explain what's going on here. Yeah, so so you've hit the ball to me. Here's the net. I've hit it out wide. Um, so you've hit it back, but the ball hasn't come over my side of the table yet. It's gone around the net, but it's still out to the side. So before it comes over my table, I I go and stop it. Can't do that. Hit it on That's the full. Hit it on the full, correct, before it bounces. So that is called obstruction because the ball hasn't had a chance to um, bounce on my side of the table yet. So that would be your point. So um, it, it, I suppose if you think of it like this, if I hit the ball to you and before it comes over the net on my side, I just go up over your side and volley it and, and hit it before it bounces. So you know you wouldn't be able to let, allowed to do that. Similar here. So if the ball hasn't come over my side of the table then you're not allowed to hit it on the full. Mm, interesting. It was an interesting one by Carl. And I guess a lot of people don't even know this rule, Alois, but um, if you hit the ball on the full over the table, you lose a point. But if it's past the end line, then it's your point because the ball would have missed the table. Um, and it used to be a long time ago, Alois, that if you hit the ball on the full at all, you would lose the point even if it had passed the table. Yeah, correct. And that was probably a simpler rule, but um, I think this is a fairer rule now. So once the ball goes out past my side of the table, so it's passed over the table, it's passed over the end line, and then it hits my bat. It's already out. It's out of bounds on the full. It's out. So um, so then um, it's my point. But if the ball is still in play, so it's still ready to come over onto the table and I hit it on the full, that's your point. And that's the same... Because even though it hasn't, 
it isn't over the top of the table, but because it's coming towards my side of the table, that's still in play. It can still be in. So, um, mm. yeah, no, you're not allowed to hit it on the full. Hope, it's probably a little bit complex. Hope, hopefully you understand that. And those of you li- listening on the podcast, you've probably got no idea what we're talking about. But anyway. Yeah, anyway. And I guess it was kind of a theoretical question because as Carl, who asked the question, pointed out, it's a bit hard to even get in a position where you could hit the ball on the full when they're trying to hit it around the net. So, yeah, anyway, you could you could, yep. you could go and just rush them, Jeff. So, you, like, you hit it out wide and then just go and rush, run up to them and, and in their face. What do you reckon? I reckon yeah, you'd be good at that. Yeah, I, I would. I, I can see you doing that. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, thanks for the question, Carl. Next up is one from Daniel. He says, I miss the ball often on my forehand and backhand. I think it might be that I'm moving uh, my bat up too fast or not pushing forward enough. I was wondering what I could do to prevent missing the ball so much. Yeah, that's a, it's a good question, Daniel, because um, we, we do focus on, you know, starting with your bat um, down uh, next to you and then coming up towards your eyebrow. Um, so... In theory, there's the, the the bat and ball are going on different paths. So the bat's going up and the ball's coming uh, forward. What happens in reality, though, and practicality, is that because there's some rotation from your waist, your bat is actually moving forward. So, um, again, podcasters, sorry, but um, I, I'm uh, just showing on the on the video here. So by twisting my bat is coming forward. Now, at the same time, my bat is coming forward, then I'm moving my bat up towards my eyebrow. So so there is a lot of time here where the bat and the ball are on the same path. So really focus, if, if you are finding that you're missing the ball a lot, firstly focus on the rotation, but also just focus on just pushing that bat forward through the line of the ball first and then going up towards your eyebrow. So if you do that, you're going to give yourself a much better chance of just contacting the ball to start off with, and then you can start to, you know, um, experiment a bit more with lifting your bat faster, etc. But, yeah, come forward on that ball first. So really rotate forward and push your bat forward to start with and get that nice contact, that nice solid contact of, the bat on ball first and then work work on the, the top spin from there. All right. Great advice. Um, and, yeah, try out some of those tips, Daniel, and hopefully you'll be hitting forehands and backhands much more consistently. All right, Alice, that wraps up show 257. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Make sure you check out pingskills.com, and if you haven't already, sign up for our free newsletter. All right. Thanks again, everyone. And thank you, Alloys. All right. Thanks, Jeffrey. And uh, we will see all of you later. Bye. Bye.